this series called I Am Blessed. And the bottom line of the series is this, I am blessed despite what my circumstances may look like. And in Matthew chapter 5 through 7, Jesus is, is speaking to a large group of people and arguably what has uh, come to be known as the most important sermon Jesus ever preached. It was, it's called the Sermon on the Mount. We've come to know it. You may have heard that. And he talks about in the first uh, several verses of that what it means to be blessed. And he talks about eight attributes of, of blessed people. And the problem as human beings that we have when we read this is that the things that he says are attributes of blessed people aren't necessarily things that we would think of as being blessed. He, he says in the first two verses, blessed are the poor in spirit and blessed are those who mourn. And he goes on, we talked about what it means to be meek last week and talked about how those people are blessed. Um, and we all want God in our lives in such a way that we can say that we're blessed. But rarely do we ever come to the place where we look at these specific attributes and say, yes, I want to strive to be that. And really the bottom line of the series, if we really look hard at it, is, is these attributes that Jesus talked about, those are things that he was. Those are characteristics that he took on. So really what we're saying, and I want you to get this, is we're not trying to become meek. We're not necessarily trying to become poor in spirit. We're not working to go through a season of mourning. What we're really doing is we're striving to become like Jesus Christ. He took on these characteristics. So if we strive just to be like Christ, if we strive after him, if he is the goal, then what ends up happening is we become blessed people. Does that, does that make sense? And so today we're, we're continuing this uh, series. We're, we're tackling each one of these attributes each week. And in verse 6, Matthew chapter 5, let's just jump right in and read what he says, and then we'll unpack it a little bit today. He says, blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness, for they will be filled. Everybody say hunger. Hunger. Say it again. Truth is, everybody's hungering for something. Now, right, right about now, you may be hungering for a hamburger, or, or you may be hungering for your favorite lunch place. I don't know what it is, but we all have this place in our lives where we hunger. We all have a place in our life where we need a solution. Would you agree to that? And, and you have to say yes, because if you're a human being, that's true for you. Um, uh, probably months ago, Pastor Gage led a volunteer huddle that we had. Uh, that's a time that all our volunteers get together before the service. We had one today. And he led this particular huddle, and he gave out this, this little card. I want to show you the card that he gave. This struck me so good. And, and this is what he asked. He said, what does your dot look like? And everybody had one. They were all a little different. You know, some people were saying, you know, it looks like a dinosaur. And, and he, somebody else said it looks like a bear. Um, somebody that was like really spiritual said, Jesus, mine looks like Jesus, you know, and we're like, okay, well, <laughs> I don't, <laughs> like mine doesn't look anything like Jesus. I don't know if that, and he said this, he said, you know, what this really represents is it represents the whole in your life, wherever that may be. And I thought, well, that sounds depressing. <laughs> you know, everyone's got this big deficiency, but then I thought it's true. Everybody is going through something, some path in life where you have lack. You have some deficiency in your life, and I'm not talking about a character flaw necessarily, but there is something you're going through, something that you're involved in, some relationship that you have, something in life right now you're dissatisfied with, and it's causing you to have lack in your life. But hunger is a good thing because hunger causes you to pursue dissatisfaction in your life 
means that you're not content and it stirs you up and it creates a hunger in you. And hunger is a good thing because hunger causes you to pursue. When you're hungry, you go looking for something. When you're, if, let's just think about it from a physical standpoint. When you're hungry, you, you go to the fridge. You go to the pantry. And for some, it's like muscle memory for some of you. You, don't even, you ain't even hungry. You just walk in there and you just open the fridge and give it a glance. You go through the cabinets. You look through the same thing. And you know there's nothing in there, but you're just, by, you're just doing it. But when, when you're really hungry, man, you go looking for that thing. Uh, but the fact still remains, when you're hungry, it's key, it's vital to make sure you pursue the right thing. But we all have this hole in our life. In fact, we're all walking around, human beings, if you can just picture this, every one of us in the room, when you walk around, you're at the grocery store, when you walk around at work, when you walk around at school, wherever that is for you, everybody has a hole in their life. Everybody has a spot. Everybody has a void. Everybody has some kind of dissatisfaction in their life because we're all human beings living on this planet where sin is a reality. And we're not perfect. And so we all have this, this place. God will often create lack in your life. And that's kind of counterintuitive, but again, hunger is, is a good thing because it causes you to pursue. Isn't it interesting that whenever you get kind of caught up on your finances, the car breaks down? Sometimes God brings lack into our lives. Just when you think your relationship is on the mend, something happens to set it back. Just when you think you're up for a promotion, somebody else gets picked for the job, and it leaves you feeling like you're not worth it. It leaves you feeling like you're not qualified, like, like you're not good enough. Just when, listen, just when you feel like you've gotten over that sin, and then it comes up and it hits you in the face and it tempts you, and you thought, man, I thought I, thought I was over this. Just when you think you've bridged the gap, lack shows up in your life again. And, and often what we say is, Satan's attacking me. And we give Satan a lot of credit, but I want you to hear me really good. For a Christian, someone who is following Jesus Christ, and you've, you've given God your life, God is either causing it or God is allowing it. Either way, it's him. And if God is in it, God is going to use it. But it's the dissatisfaction in our life. It's that void that produces a hunger for a solution. Now, God, when he creates that lack in your life, or he leaves it there, or he allows it, it's not to make you miserable. That's not the primary function of what God is doing, even though it feels like it at times. Um, he allows a dissatisfaction, a void, a hunger to remain in your life so that it will drive you to seek him. In the Old Testament, there was a man named Elijah. Elijah was a prophet. Now, listen, this was a, he was a mighty man of God. Miracles, mighty miracles were done through Elijah. If you go back and look in the book of 1 Kings in the Old Testament, you can read about Elijah. But th this was a mighty man of God. And, and when he first comes on the scene and we first see Elijah, he's in the wilderness. And God's providing for him. Uh, birds are bringing him bread and meat, and there's a brook that's by him that's, that's got water in it that he drinks. So God is providing for him for this season. But it's interesting, when God got ready to move Elijah to the next place, when he got ready to do a mighty work in Elijah to move him, to bless him, he didn't just tell Elijah, okay, get up from where you are and go. Because he may have listened or he, he may not. I don't know. He was very comfortable. He was being provided for. He was content. He had everything he needed. It's interesting that just before he tells Elijah to get up and go, the brook dries up. Just before God moves him to go do something mighty for him, he creates a lack in his life. Because when we're content, we don't move. Even if God speaks sometimes. If I were to take uh, a water bottle, I don't have one up here with me, and I were to, if I were to set it beside you and I say drink, 
Well, guess what you're going to do? You're going to stay right where you are, and you're going to pick it up, and you're going to drink. But if I take that water and remove it from you, and I put it way over here on the other side, and now I say, I want you to drink. What have you got to do now in order to get that water? You've got to move. You've got to pursue. You have to get up from where you are, where it was comfortable and content, and you have to move. See, it wasn't in the wilderness that God's will, his blessing, was going to be done for Elijah. So what did he do? He creates lack in his life because Zarephath was the next town that God had him to go to. And he did a mighty miracle there. He, he provided food for a, a woman. That, the, the big famine throughout the land didn't have any food. He raised a boy to life. From there, he would end up on Mount Carmel, where 450 prophets of, of a false god named Baal were. And he did one of the most mighty things for God. <laughs> go back and read the story. I'm not going to go into it. That I think anybody has ever, ever done. And after that, Elijah, he goes through a little emotional drama because he's human. And even mighty people that are doing great things for God are still human beings, right? And, and then after that, he goes and Elisha becomes his apprentice. And because of that, they, they do some great things for God. And Elisha becomes a mighty man of God. But where did it all start? It all started way in, back in the wilderness at the beginning when he was there. And God created lack in his life in order to get him to move. The brook dries up. Sometimes God provides not the solution that you think you want. Sometimes God pr produces and provides lack in your life, the, a hole in your life, a void. Why? It's not to make you miserable. It's to get you to move. Maybe you've gotten content where you are in your relationship with God, and you're just kind of coasting now. Maybe you've gotten content in your relationships, and God is wanting to take you to the next place in Him because He knows the blessings that are going to come in your life are not going to be where you currently are. Maybe not necessarily geographically. Maybe it's a growth, a spiritual growth inside of you. And the lack that you're feeling right now, the dissatisfaction, the turmoil on the inside, and you're thinking, man, what is happening to me? And God is saying, I want to take this time in, in your life not to look at this as Satan attacking you and beating you back and forth and you just can't seem to find me. He's saying, I want you to pursue me in this. When we're hungry, we pursue. When we're dissatisfied, we search. When there's lack in our lives, we try to do something to fill the void. You with me so far? Let me give you a couple of things uh, I want you to be careful to do whenever you're experiencing this lack in your life. First thing is this. I want you to recognize what you're really hungry for. This is important because when we have a void, when we have a lack, we all do, we're, we're going to search, we're going to pursue, but you got to recognize what you're really hungry for. The other night, I got off work and I was hungry. I hadn't eaten all day and I went to the grocery store because I didn't have coffee at the house and I knew the next morning when I got up, if there wasn't coffee, there was going to be a big problem. So I took that opportunity, yeah, thank you, I took that opportunity to go to the grocery store and pick up coffee. And I disciplined myself to say, okay, you only need coffee. That's all you need. All you need is coffee, Ryan. Don't get anything else. And I went in there, and, and I thought, you know what? I'm going to text Jessica and see if she needs anything. So I sent the text, hey, babe, do you want anything? Do you need anything? I'm at the store. And she was working, and it was at the end of her day. It's one of the most uh, busy times for her. And so I knew she may not be able to get to her phone right away. And so while I was waiting for her to respond, uh, I had my coffee under my arm, and I just kind of walked around the store. And I was hungry. <laughs> and I knew that my body needed nourishment. My body needed sustenance. My brain led me to the pizza. My brain led me to the sub sandwiches. My brain led me to the chips and the dip. And just so you know, they, they say, don't ever go to the grocery store when you're hungry. I should have went and parked my butt on a bench and just sat there and waited. 
but I walked around that grocery store, and it's amazing when lack shows up in our lives, our spirits will scream for God's presence, but our flesh will move to quick fixes. It's amazing when, when, our, when we have lack in our lives, our spirit needs God, but it's easy to drive ourselves to Facebook and waste all our time. Somebody say amen. It's easy when we have lack in our lives and we know our spirit is really hungry for God's word, but it's so tempting to go on a Netflix binge and just waste all our time there. Our spirit needs to hear God's voice, but it's easier to call a friend and gossip because you can actually hear them with your physical ears. Lack in my life causes me to be hungry, but it's important to understand what I'm really hungry for and feed that. I ended up going with rotisserie chicken that night. <laughs> Yay me. Vegetables, and then we ate a big bowl of ice cream. But <laughs> when it comes to your spiritual life, listen, you were made with this, this God-shaped void inside of you, and only God can fill it. Because you were made by him, you were made for him, and th that's why you need him. You need him. You got to recognize what you're really hungry for or you'll feed it with something else. In the Gospel of John, chapter 6, Jesus is teaching thousands of people. The Bible says, uh, if you read your little headings in the tops of the section there, it says Jesus feeds the 5,000. That was just men and women. Scholars say there could have been upwards of 20,000 people at that one event. Um, and so Jesus is teaching them all day. And then he miraculously uh, multiplies this little boy's lunch and feeds 20,000 people, and then they have 12 baskets of leftovers. And I just want you to take that in a second. <laughs> Upwards of 20,000 people, Jesus takes five loaves and two fish, multiplies it, everybody eats, and then there's 12 baskets left over. And Jesus, at the end of that, has his disciples get in a boat, cross the lake, big, huge lake, and... Then he does this whole thing where he walks on water. It's a whole thing. It's really amazing. I could preach on that, but it's Jesus. I mean, you, if you skip over details with Jesus, you're skipping over like walking on water. It seems insignificant, but it's truly significant. Everybody's, they go to sleep. They spend the night. When they wake up, all those thousands of people, Jesus is gone. The disciples are gone, and they're hungry. They need breakfast, and so they go looking for Jesus, and this is what happens whenever they catch up to him on the other side. In uh, chapter 6, verse 25 and 26, says, When the people found Jesus on the other side of the lake, they asked him, Teacher, when did you come here? And Jesus said, I tell you the truth. Jesus just calls him right out. You're not looking for me because you saw me do miracles. In other words, you're not looking for me because you know, understand that I'm powerful and holy and I'm from God and I did these things. You're looking for me because you ate the bread and were satisfied. In other words, you need to be filled but you're content just being satisfied for a moment. And now that what satisfied you before is gone, you're looking for your next fix. You're not looking for what you're really hungry for. You're looking for what's going to satisfy you for a moment. And that's so easy for us to do when we have that God-shaped void inside of us. We want Jesus' presence. That's what your spirit is longing for. But what we end up doing is satisfying ourselves with some quick fix, and we end up not knowing him. But we end up going to Jesus just to gain from him. But hear me, the whole premise of having hunger in your life, again, Jesus said, blessed are those who hunger and thirst. For what? For righteousness, for right standing with God, to hunger and thirst after him. The whole point of, of hungering and, and wanting righteousness in our lives, being in unity with him, is based on an understanding that you need him. It's based on an understanding that, you know what, you don't have it all figured out, that you have that void inside of you. 
And the only way to fill it is Jesus Christ. There's always going to be a place in your life that only God can fill. But if you don't start there, if you don't start there in your understanding that this void can only be filled by God, then you're going to not even see the need or necessarily have the desire to hunger for him. You're still going to hunger because we all do. But you're going to try to fill up on things that don't fill you. And when you do, you're not filled. Instead, you're satisfied for a moment. Did you know a new house can satisfy you for a time? But after a while, the newness of it wears off and you're back to searching again. A drink can satisfy you for a time. But eventually you're going to get sober and your reality is still your reality. You still have to face your reality and you can keep on drinking and you can keep on trying to just forget your problems. But you know what? Sobriety comes around with amazing regularity. And then you're faced with the challenges again. Hear me, a relationship can satisfy you for a time, but it doesn't take long for the feelings to go away. It doesn't take long for the serotonin to balance out. Emotions fade, and you're still left wanting to be filled. And and let me just say while I'm here, one of the worst things you could ever do is take the hole in your heart, the emptiness in your heart, the God-shaped void, and give it to a person to fill. Because what you've done is you've just taken a hole in your heart that only God Almighty can fill, and you've just given it to an imperfect human to try to fill something in you. And you've just set them up for failure, and you've set yourself up for failure. And what ends up happening is the relationship breaks because the biggest point or the biggest reason relationships break is because of disappointment. And if I give you a job to fill my God-shaped void inside of me, you're never going to be able to do it. The people in your life will never be able to do it. But hear me, what happens if you have a God-shaped void inside of you and you hunger and thirst for righteousness? You hunger and thirst for the Lord. And you're not just satisfied for a moment, but he ends up filling you to the full. You bring to the relationship a heart that's full of God. You, you end up bringing your own joy and your own happiness to the relationship. If it's not all about happiness and it's not all about emotions, but eventually when you're hungering and thirsting for righteousness, the emotional part of happiness matches up to the joy that you have on the inside. And, and, and when two people are doing that, great things begin to happen. Don't settle for being satisfied in your life when God says you can be blessed by being filled. Hunger and thirst for righteousness, he says, they will be filled. So recognize what you're really hungry for. And once you realize that, start looking to Jesus. Start looking to Jesus. When the people came to Jesus looking for more food, this is what Jesus told him in verse 35. He said, I'm the bread of life. Whoever comes to me will never go hungry. And whoever believes in me will never be thirsty. Now, Maybe you've been in church a long time and you're like, yeah, pa- preach it, Pastor Ryan, amen. And maybe you haven't read the Bible that much. Or maybe you're here today and you're not even a Christian. And that just sounds really churchy. Jesus is saying, I'm the bread of life. Well, what in the world does that mean? Or uh, who, who comes to me will never be hungry. He who comes to me will never be thirsty. Let me just say really quickly, and I'm going to move on. You have within inside of you, because you're a human being, a flesh and a spirit. You have a flesh nature about yourself, and you have a spirit nature about yourself. And the Bible says in Galatians chapter 5 that those two things are at war with each other. Hear me loud and clear. You have within yourself a flesh and a spirit, and they do not agree. That's part of being human. They are at war with each other. They don't want the same things. The more you try to get close to God, the more your flesh tries to pull you in the other direction. Your flesh looks at the world, and it wants things that the world wants. It wants to fix things the way the world fixes them. Uh, And that's not always a bad thing, but it is whenever you leave your spirit out. 
because you'll always be searching for something and never really uh, have what you need. Your spirit needs and craves God. Your spirit is the part of you that comes alive during the worship time. Your spirit is the part of you that is sensitive to the voice of God, that tells you, you know what, I, I need to read God's word. I need to put more of an emphasis of that in my life. The, the spiritual part of you is the part that grows and matures into a godly man or a godly woman. Uh, your spirit is ultimately the part of you that learns to weather storms in such a way that actually makes you a better person when you get on the other side of them. That's your spirit. Your flesh doesn't do that. And here's why. Because the flesh nature is the part of you that is selfish. <laughs> your flesh nature is the part of you that wants just what it wants. It wants gratification immediately in everything. Your flesh is greedy and impatient, but not your spirit. So what Jesus is saying is, is when you come to me, you're never going to go hungry. He's saying when you feed your spirit and you don't let your flesh lead your life, you're not going to run around in circles trying to fix things in and of your own way with no win. He says, but when you come to me, your spirit will come alive, we'll walk through it together, and you will be filled. You will be at peace, and you will be blessed. You need to grasp that, because Jesus isn't trying to simply fix your problems. What he's trying to do, as you look to him to fill your spirit, he's trying to get you to see your problems in the right context. And when your spirit is alive, and when God is filling that, and when you're seeking him, that's what you'll be able to do. You'll be able to look at your problems in the right context. Without your spirit, you look at your problems and they can overtake you. But when you come to God and when you let him fill your spirit and when you do it in that way and in that order, then you're able to look at your problems. And now you're not, you're not comparing your problems to your own ability. You're comparing them to God's ability. And he's always bigger. He's always stronger. Your problems don't necessarily go away. Oh, but do you see them through a different lens? And oh, is that peaceful? Oh, is that blessed? And you'll eventually find out that your problems will take care of themselves because God's got you. A few chapters later, later, he's hammering this point home in John 14, verse 27. He says this, peace I leave with you. And then he, he differentiates, my peace I give you. I don't give to you like the world gives. You see the difference there? He's making a big contrast here. So don't let your hearts be troubled and do not be afraid. You know why he said that? He wanted you to know very clearly that there's a difference in the type of peace the world gives, what it calls peace, and the true peace that he gives. Because in this life, our lack oftentimes leads us to fear. It's true. That, that void inside of us, that place where we're dissatisfied, we come to a place a lot of the times where we don't know how to fill it. And so it's very possible that that leads to fear. And Jesus is saying, listen, I'm not here saying that, you know, you're, you're not going to have the void. He's saying, I'm here to give you peace. Because he knew it was possible that we would fear. Why? Because in the pursuit of God, it doesn't always mean the lack gets fixed right away. Sometimes it means to wait. And we don't want to wait. Our flesh nature drives us to fix it now. And right now, if you think about your problem, if you think about the void in your life, there are several things, maybe more, <laughs> that you could think of right now that you could satisfy your need very quickly. If so-and-so would just do this, or if that would happen, or if this would line up right. Maybe even as, if God would just snap his fingers and do it, this would be, this would be fixed. You can think right now of the, the quick fixes that happens, but let me tell you, the, your fixes wouldn't last. 
letting Jesus fill you, looking to him when you recognize what you're really hungry for. I kind of compare it to waiting for a home-cooked meal. Now, everybody would choose a home-cooked meal over a microwave meal. It's not, it's not even a question. Uh, nobody wants a, a microwave meal when you could have a home-cooked meal, but the microwave meal takes three minutes, and the home-cooked meal takes a long time. A microwave meal is done instantly, but it's not that great, and a home-cooked meal actually fills you with real food. You could try and fix your issues in the way you want with your time. Nothing wrong with planning and thinking, but you'll never be in God's perfect timing until you submit yourself to his plan. And sometimes that means to wait. And when you wait, sometimes as you hunger for God and are in right standing with him, it means to hurt. If I were to, I don't do it, but if I were to ask you, who's, who's got some type of hurt in their life right now because they're waiting for this void in their life to be fixed. For some of you, you've been waiting a long time, and, and if I were to ask you about it, you're, you're, you'd say, I don't know if it's ever going to be fixed. I don't know if this, this hole in my heart, this, this void, and I don't know if it'll ever be filled. I'm trusting God to do it. And when we look to him and when we hunger and thirst for righteousness, sometimes it means to wait, and as we wait, it means to hurt. You could try to fill it with all kinds of things, but it means that I'm, I'm, I'm not looking to God just to fill the hole in my heart, but when I hunger and thirst for righteousness, I'm just looking to know God. And as I do, he fills me. You, you need to know to wait on him and intentionally not fill the hole in your heart, yourself. It means to wait, and oftentimes it means to hurt. But I want you to know this, God sees you, and he's honored, and he honors you for waiting and trusting in him. You know, my my boys uh, yesterday, I have three boys, by the way, and they they fight. (laughs) They they love each other, I know that, but but they fight. And my youngest one, nine, he's riding his bike down the street, and my my, the one older than him is 12, and he's riding his ripstick down the street, and the nine-year-old comes in crying, and I said, what happened? He said, Nicholas slapped me in the back of the neck, you know, and that's all he says. He didn't say what he did to make him slap him in the back of the neck. I had to find out that later, um, <laughs> but Nicholas comes in, and I said, dude, d- did you slap your brother in the back of the neck, and he says, well, he, and I'm like, I don't want to hear it right now. Did you slap your brother in the back of the neck? He said, yes, sir. And I'm telling him, I'm like, listen, man, if you would just come to me first and tell me what he did, I will handle your problem. And when you come to me first and don't try to handle it yourself, you actually obligate me to fix your, your problem. But when you take it upon yourself to slap your brother in the back of the neck, you tie my hands. I can't help you now. You're doing it yourself. But if you would just come to me, my, my oldest one, they, they, they go back and forth like this. And I, they, I finally got them to the point where now I'll, I'll see them come down the stairs. Dad, so-and-so is bothering me and they won't stop. All right, what does that do? It obligates me to go and investigate and fix the issue. But when they handle it themselves, they've tied my hands. I, I can't go and, and help fix their problem if they're going to deal with it themselves. And that's the way God looks at us. Whenever you trust him and you, you put your life in his hands and say, God, I'm not going to try to fix this myself. But this hole in my heart, you see it. This void in my life, you know it's there. You desire to fill it, so I am putting complete trust in you. You obligate God to do what he said he would do. 
and he sees you. And just because it's not happening in the right timing that you feel like is right, or just because you're miserable sometimes feeling as you go through it, it doesn't mean that God doesn't see you and that he's not working. And if you'll let him fill you, you will find a peace that Philippians describes as a passing worldly understanding. In other words, you'll be able to go through your situation in such a way that people around you have no clue how you're so peaceful and joyful on the inside. I'm not talking like complete, just being aloof to, the, to your situation. No, it still hurts. And sometimes it means to wait. But way down deep, you're blessed. And it's a blessed that's untouchable. And God sees you. And the pain you feel right now will not compare, can't compare to the joy that's coming. But you've got to recognize what you're really hungry for and start looking to Jesus to fill you. Because that, that black dot I showed you earlier, that little card, you know what that represents? That, that represents a God-shaped void in your life. In other words, there's nothing else on this planet that can fix that. Nothing else on this planet, no person, no thing, no solution that you can come up with humanly can, can, can fill it. Nothing. God is the only one that can do it. We all have this because we're made by him and for him. We were created to need him. Nothing else in this life can fill that void but him. I can't say that enough because we're going to leave here. And right now you've been thinking about the things you're going through in life. And, and, and you've tried a hundred different things to fix it. Specifically for those of you who have been doing it a long time. And have that void in you a long time. God's the only one that can fill that. Because he made you. He created you to need him. Now I want you to stop right now. I just want you to think about the place in your life that you're dissatisfied. I just want you to get that in your mind. What area of your life are you feeling that void right now? What is it that you lack? Is it an emotional dissatisfaction? Maybe it's a relational thing. There's just this this divide? Is it, a, is it a validation need? You're walking around not happy with who you are? Maybe it's a material thing that you're lacking. And maybe there's a timeline associated with it. And you're, you're stressing. There, there is a dissatisfaction. There's a hole. What is it that you lack that's causing you to pursue a resolution? Now get ready to hear the most profound thing you've ever heard. God wants you to pursue him to meet that need. He wants you to pursue him. Maybe you've been pursuing other things, and today you, you just want to say, you know what? I want to take Jesus at his word. Blessed are those who hunger and thirst, not for quick and easy fixes or solutions, but blessed are those who hunger and thirst for right standing with God. For they will be filled. He wouldn't have said that if we didn't have a void. We've all got one. What are you trying to fill it with? Because Jesus said something else in Matthew 6, He challenged us. He said this. He said, but seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and all these things will be added to you. In other words, we're worrying about so much and trying to fix our, our problems with all these other things. We're trying to fill that void. And God said, listen, if you'll just come to me, if you'll just, just come to me, if you'll submit to me, if you'll trust in me, it, you might have to wait as I shape you through a season. You, it might hurt. But I see you, and I will fill you, and you'll find out that all these other things that you're wanting will be added unto you. Why? Because Jesus said, blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness. They will be, 
They will be filled. Let me ask you this. How much time did you spend in God's word this week searching for him? How much time did you spend in prayer? And I'm not talking the churchy religious activity. I'm talking you got real with God. Can I just say this? I, I went through a really, really, really hard time three years ago. The worst season of my life in terms of hurt. And what I realized during that season, probably the biggest thing that I realized, is that God wants us to come with our junk, I think, more than he wants us to come with our, our fake faces. We come in here and we're fake. It, and it's, it's okay. I think we all come in here and we're not going to unload on everybody. We come in here, we have a level of fakeness. It's, it's, uh, it's social. It's acceptable. God hates it when we do that. And it's not that he hates you. He hates the fact that you feel like you can't come to him and be real. Let me challenge you this week. Don't just open up your Bible and try to get a solution. But before you do, maybe just hold that Bible in your hand and be real about that void. God, I don't know how we're going to fix this. I don't know how you're going to do it, but I trust you. It's this relational need that I have. And then go into detail about it with him. It's this problem that I'm going through at work and then go about it in detail with him. Tell him everything you feel. Understand you're talking to a king, you're talking to the God who made you, but couple that mindset with you're talking to the God who loved you so much he sent Jesus to die for you. You have a right to come before him and he loves you. Get real about your junk with him. Unload it on him. And then submit yourself to his word and watch him fill you. Don't be surprised when temptation comes and you don't have the power to resist it. You didn't even realize you were powerless until the temptation was right there in front of you. Take that opportunity to stand before God. Maybe kneel before Him. And take that void before Him. And say, God, I'm done trying to fix it myself. I know what I'm really hungry for. And I'm turning to Jesus. Can you stand with me? I want to pray for you before we go. Just lift your heart to him right now. God, I, I know that we all have these voids inside of us. We're all human beings. I stand here with one myself. And I think sometimes mine's probably bigger than I want it to be. And I'm so tempted sometimes to run in another direction to try to fill it. We're all smart. We're human beings. You gave us a brain. And some of us are clicking on better cylinders than others. But, Lord, we all want to fix our own problems. It's, it's human. We're all solution-oriented. We're, we're wired to survive. And so when problems come into our life, we, we, we're, we go for it. God, forgive us for not including you. Forgive us for getting in front of you. And, Lord, my prayer, Holy Spirit, as we've heard your word today, is that we would stop looking to be blessed based on things we can figure out. Some of us have been running in circles for years. Ignoring the problem, trying to fix the problem, then ignoring it again, falling short, and then going after it again, and then falling short, and then ignoring it. And, and it's just, it's still there. It's the same void. Help us to get smart and realize we need you and actually do something about it. Your word didn't say, blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness, but you'll fix all their problems. You said, blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness, for they'll be filled. So I pray, God, that we wouldn't just start looking for answers to problems, but that we would look for you to fill us, to draw near to you, to have joy and peace, knowing that we are entertaining the God of the universe 
And then watch all those, all those things that we have in our lives. Just, it's almost as if they fix themselves when we take our hand off of it with your power in our midst. I, I pray, God, that we would get that priority right. In Jesus' name. Maybe there's somebody in the room or listening online right now who, who you know you need a relationship with Jesus. And right now, he's not the Lord of your life. You haven't given authority to him. You haven't accepted his sacrifice for you. I, I, I want you to know it starts right there. Because you know what? Every one of us as human beings have voids. But one of these days, Jesus was clear. This world's going to be done. And we're going to stand before God. And heaven can be our home where there is no void. We just have fullness in the presence of God all the time. I can't even begin to try to humanly describe that. Partly because I have no idea what that's going to consist of. <laughs> Not in full. But maybe the void you're feeling right now isn't about this life, but you have an eternal problem that you need to work out. And I wonder if that's you. Would you just be willing to, to, to submit your life to God today? I can't make that decision for you. you. You know right now what's going on in your own heart. And if you feel that wrestling happening, I challenge you right now not to ignore the voice of the Almighty God calling your name. He loves you so much. If you're ready to make that commitment today, would you just pray this prayer with me? God, I need you. I admit that I can't do it on my own. I'm not perfect. I never will be. At least not on this earth. And I accept Jesus' sacrifice for me. I accept the fact that he was your son. That he came to this earth to die for me. And that he was raised from the grave. And he's alive today. I believe his words when he said that, that nobody can come to God the Father except through him, Jesus Christ. And so I come to you and have made right with you through Jesus. I don't understand everything. I, don't, I still have questions. I'm not a perfect by any means, but I start fresh today in faith. And I believe that you're going to help me get where I need to be. In Jesus' name. Can we say amen together? Amen. Can we just give it up for everybody who said yes to Jesus Christ today? I think that's important. Let me, let me challenge you. Don't let right now be where you end. You made a great decision today, the most significant decision you'll ever make. Don't walk out the door and just let it fall. Would you take a next step? One, right, one you can take right now. Take a Connect card in front of you and let us know. I prayed to receive Christ. There's a Connect card in front of you. There's a box that says, I prayed to receive Christ. Would you take a second and check that? We want to follow up with you, give you some potential next steps. But more so than that, we're going to be praying for you. And we want you to know that you're not just, you know, make a decision and leave, but you've just become part of God's church, not the bridge, God's church. That's a, that's a way bigger than what we are just right here. But this is where we are today, and we want, to, we want you to be a part of what we're doing right here. And we want to come around you. We want to pray for you. So if, would you do that? That Connect card, guys, if you, if you didn't get a chance to fill it out, this is for everybody. Fill that Connect card out. Let us know where, where your void is. Let us know how we can pray for you. And we'll be doing that this week. I love you guys so much. I'm grateful that you're here. I want to see you next week. And maybe sometime during the week I'll run into you. Uh, if you see me in the grocery store with a box of coffee, just tell me to go back to my car. Tell me I don't need anything in there. Love you guys. I'll see you next time.